0: Now join our host as he introduces the topic for today's New Cyber Frontier. Welcome
1: to today's episode of New Cyber Frontier. Uh, you're on today with with Christopher Gorog here, and uh, we also have a guest on. This is a special IEEE blockchain uh, series we have for blockchain for AI and healthcare, looking at different verticals in some of these emerging technologies that are related to cybersecurity. On today, Tev Pritesh Sethi, uh, who is a MBBS, a PhD and associate professor of computational biology, the head for the Center of Excellence in Healthcare at II Delhi. And um, I can say the name of that university, maybe we'll let him do that but also a fellow of uh, Welcome Trust, BBT India Alliance, and s- sometimes a visiting professor at Stanford, I hear. So, Trev Pratesh, welcome. Thanks for, thanks for joining today.
2: Thank you, Christopher. My delight to be here.
1: Definitely. So, uh, we want to let you kind of give your background, how you got to where you're at, but uh, this is exciting today, some of the things that uh, I've, I've heard he, he does and we'll talk about uh, for you know the future of what what uh, blockchain use and, and security by design kind of uh, when we look at that and trust the trust and stuff uh, for uh, using blockchain for healthcare. So, Trev, uh, give us kind of your background on yourself. How do you got where you're at?
2: Sure. So I grew up in a small town up north in India called Amritsar and I did my medical training from Government Medical College Amritsar. And while I was finishing up, essentially I got um, um, this idea that essentially we should be using more data and modeling for for taking decisions in critical situations such as the ICU um, scenarios. And that's where my journey started into the data aspects of healthcare. And I did a PhD, in computational biology, which was focused a lot on physiological aspects and, and, and unraveling some of these physiological um, systems using data. I was awarded the MIT TR35, um, Innovators Under 35 India Award for, um, for capturing small area disease using models um, at, at a very early stage. Um, and since then, I essentially um, have been developing models, technologies, approaches to address uh, challenges in various healthcare settings, working alongside hospitals and more recently with public health organizations. And so after completing my PhD, I was working with the All-India Institute of Medical Sciences, AIMS, New Delhi, in the Department of Pediatrics, in the ICUs, where the question we were asking was, how can we detect which children, which babies are likely to crash with critical outcomes like shock and sepsis in the next 24 hours, and so, or so. Um, and that led, us, led, that led to one, the one thing led to another. Um, and, and we started working with these models in a more sort of decentralized, large scale settings where we combine various different data sources together uh, to build models that can be generalizable to, to a variety of different settings. And um, um, essentially um, this also led us to a natural segue into public health because a lot of what happens inside the ICU actually is governed by what happens at home, especially in Indian settings and in developing settings where a lot of infections, for example, readmissions happen because of conditions, hygiene conditions at home or or measures that can be taken at home. So so that led us to to develop models and and methods to, to address some of these public health challenges around um, um um around um, around uh, uh, sepsis and from there on to covid-19 and that was a project uh, which we call the wash project it was the first ai ml based application for raising wash awareness um, during the covid-19 times um, during the pandemic when i was at stanford i was involved in building models which are more equitable uh, lead to more um, essentially tackling the health inequalities and and that's another area that i um, that is close to my heart um, um, because I work with these diverse settings, especially across uh, um, uh, sections of the society in India and so yeah. on. So, more recently, we've been working on COVID nineteen pandemic um, and models that can help us address it in a more um, all round fashion using uh, data sets which we call non traditional data sets.
1: Interesting. Well, let's
0: take a break here from our sponsors. We'll be right back in a couple of minutes. Blockframe technology offers next-generation blockchain managed trust and security. Unique non-fungible tokens are used to secure software bills of materials to provide data quality and security for every transaction in your supply chain. Deploy advanced peer-to-peer product security, scale zero trust capability to millions of IoT devices, allow vendor tracking and accountability, and rapidly reset from compromise. Unchangeable, time-sequenced blockchain data provides next-generation security using machine learning trust algorithms and audit analytics. Start securing your supply chain today by contacting Blockframe at www.blockframetech.com.
1: Welcome back to the New Cyber Frontier. On today with Trev Patesh Sethi. Um, who is bringing in, calling in from India here. Um, so before the break you had talked about your background and your passions, and I could hear them bubbling through on healthcare and medical and the children you talked about and identifying risks. So this must come from something stemmed from your childhood or something. What is it that, that has
2: kind of bubbled that through? Um, Certainly, I think when I was finishing medical school, uh, I realized that since ever since the my childhood days, science was something that was the most interesting and exciting and intriguing part of it. As you get into medical school, essentially it becomes more algorithmic, and um, um, and the and the routine um, uh, takes over. And that point of time, I was asking myself, how do I actually plug back into the knowledge discovery and the scientific. Uh, discovery aspect in medicine using data and mathematics. That's something that I uh, love connecting both medicine and mathematics together. Um, and that and that part of time, I think uh, um, I realized that my career uh, and my passion need to come together in a way uh, which which is fulfilling. And and I think um, that that's something that led to taking up data science for healthcare as a career option. And I would say i mean, I've been just lucky enough to, um, to create a path which has not been a commonly available path, at least in the Indian settings, because we don't have a lot of opportunities as of well. now. Now they are coming up, but when I graduated, um, this was somewhat um, unconventional, but I'm glad that I took
1: it. Yeah. So do you like uh, teaching more or researching new tech or what, what's your, what do you like to do there at the university?
2: I think uh, both are very much interconnected. I like cutting edge state of the art research, but then also connecting it back to what what I teach in in the university and courses that that I develop. So um, essentially bringing back some of our learnings from the research uh, to to get people excited about uh, the topics. I think these are super exciting topics and I think teaching can benefit from um, the exciting developments that are happening so i would say it's it's both 50
1: 50 yeah interesting so in and when we look at this is new cyber frontier so you know we look at the connection of what is happening with data with the security of it with the you know looking at the privacy aspects but uh applying blockchain and artificial intelligence are so wrap, wrapped into those those features and looking at uh, at future technology as well you know how can we start designing in these tools that enable security privacy as we start to use data. And I really like the the that we can kind of have these discussions about, you know, where that's going in a particular industry. Uh, So tell us about that that research in integration of blockchain AI to healthcare and and how that that connection's made moving forward and and you know where you can point out how that touches that privacy security link
2: absolutely no so i think that um blockchain is 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 underutilized in in healthcare applications and so is artificial intelligence i think the progression has naturally been data to models and when we when we see the results of the models come up um, essentially then we bring in these uh, 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 approaches that that uh, that make use of privacy uh, preserving technologies to uh, to disseminate our models and data in a in a, in a more secure, private, auditable fashion. So uh, I think that um, uh, not a lot has yet uh, transpired in healthcare, although there's a lot of research that has happened. But in the real-world deployment settings, um, blockchain is, uh, is going to uh, be more and more important. And I think COVID-19 pandemic has made us realize that in a big manner. Um, just because think about it, contact tracing. So um, starting from there and building in AI models that can help better contact tracing, but now in a more privacy-preserved fashion. From there on, think about sharing of medical data in a way that um, decentralized learning can happen about patients. Let's just talk about COVID-19 as an example and and what uh, what challenges that puts up. So uh, as we all know that uh, the... Medical data are the most uh, sensitive data, but but the pandemic has has, has provoked uh, the need for data sharing and 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 greater understanding. And the only way to to enable that is to actually bring in these technologies where decentralized learning can happen uh, without data moving from from one place to another, or um, representing data sets in in a way using blockchain or other privacy-preserving and enhancing technologies, that, um, for example, the weights of the models can can be shared in a decentralized manner without the data sets moving. And that has brought up a whole lot of federated learning discussion and the need for it going forward in healthcare. But it doesn't stop at uh, the electronic health records and and data sharing, Um, vaccines and passports and, 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 and audit so uh, clinical trials, if we think about how clinical trials have happened and uh, um, and testing of different drugs and vaccines, how do we actually create more auditable systems? So wherever there is privacy, the need for audit, the need for sharing uh, data, I think that's where blockchain comes in. Finally, I think you can also think uh, about blockchain's role in healthcare from a more supply chain perspective where you Uh, want to um, monitor, for example, the uh, healthcare healthcare equipment uh, or even vaccines as they are distributed uh, in these networks. So so those are the uh, large, I mean, overarching themes that have come up in, uh, in healthcare, which allow this granularity of access to be provided to various stakeholders and, and, then, uh, um, and then various levels of audit that can be put in and AI models that are more privacy enhancing uh, and yet allow learning to happen in a distributed fashion. So those are a lot of words, but I think um, that's somewhere, that's something that I, I believe the world will be moving in this direction more and more, and it's just been inspired more through this pandemic.
1: Yeah. So um, we want to, we hear we hear a lot of you know how blockchain can open up, make data, make everybody be able to share it uh but there's there's a balance there with now making everything available uh and how do you foresee the the balance of maintaining that privacy with the availability of data that we're saying that might be private to that person is healthcare data how do we make that balance work?
2: That's a very important question. I think the purpose for which the data needs to be used needs to be really clearly identified and and, 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 and adhered to. So not all applications in AI will require the granularity of data at an individual level. Um, So the balance lies uh, at, at, at at the clear identification of purpose and the corresponding level of access that can be granted through these technologies. So we're not saying that everything becomes available to everyone at the same level of granularity. It will, it will need to be provided at the uh, at the level at which the data needs to be purposeful. I mean, it, it has to be purposeful use of the data. Secondly, I think the consent management frameworks need to be extremely important uh, in, in all of this. So, um, and that requires a lot of education of the individuals, of people um, and and what data access can enable for for various organizations and having this consent uh, frameworks in place when we put together these uh, blockchain-based technologies. So again, coming back, looping back to the point that not every um, application or not every organization needs to have the granularity of uh, access at an individual level, if it needs to be Therefore, and so then, uh, the, uh, then other frameworks like purpose and concept need to kick in. Uh, and I think that that's something that can be uh, very much uh, regulated through the application of these technologies as well. Okay. Let's, uh, so, so, let's
1: come back in a minute after we hear from our sponsor. We'll be right back to finish that thought.
0: Blockframe technology offers next generation blockchain managed trust and security. Unique non-fungible tokens are used to secure software bills of materials to provide data quality and security for every transaction in your supply chain. Deploy advanced peer-to-peer product security, scale zero trust capability to millions of IoT devices, allow vendor tracking and accountability, and rapidly reset from compromise unchangeable time sequenced blockchain data provides next generation security using machine learning trust algorithms and audit analytics. Start securing your supply chain today by contacting Blockframe at www.blockframetech.com.
1: Welcome back to New Cyber Frontier on today with Tev Pratesh Sethi. Um, And we're talking about blockchain use and and security and privacy uh, application of that in healthcare. And before the break, you talked about uh, you know predicting critical outcomes and using that data and then balancing the privacy of what users' data or personal information. Um, give us an explanation of what that predictive data is needed and how that is separate from the data that, that would be private to the individual.
2: Um, so yeah, so this was about the intensive care unit setting, where we we were building models that can predict critical outcomes in the children and babies who get admitted to the ICUs, and um, we started out with building these models only for the pediatric settings, and the data are usually, I mean, ICUs are data-rich environments, but the um, data are routinely generated, but are also routinely lost, so it's, it, depending upon the size of the ICU, it may be anywhere between a gigabyte to five gigabytes of data per day, uh, which are routinely lost. So essentially, what we were building in the ICU settings were these frameworks, which would allow secure data collection and then, then building of predictive models on top of these, uh, which look at minute-to-minute changes in parameters of um, uh, physiology, such as heart rates, pulse rates, oxygen saturation, Uh, respiratory rate combined with other laboratory investigations and what the treatment uh, charts or uh, clinical notes uh, were entered by the clinician. So you can see that this is a lot of individual level data that is needed to to build kind of the kind of models which can then predict individual level outcomes. So, um, and, and we started from there, we had success with models that can predict outcomes like shock uh, which is the which is a hemodynamic condition, a uh, mismatch between oxygen supply and demand. Organs start failing up to 24 hours ahead of time. But then we started realizing the importance of generalizing these models uh, outside of this one particular setting, and that's when privacy-preserving technologies and, um, and 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 uh, um, uh, privacy-enhancing technologies become important because when you talk about generalization, you are talking beyond a given setting and uh, beyond a given regulatory uh, framework that we were used to working in that then spread out across 200 different ICUs across the, uh, across the globe and potentially across India as well going forward. Uh, and that's where essentially we realized that these individual level data need to be uh, secured uh, using these frameworks. So I must confess, we have just started this work in building uh, secure and privacy enhancing frameworks for the uh, outcome settings, but we have been focusing on more on the AI modeling side of things where we build these uh, deep neural networks based model that predict outcomes. But at the same point of time, now we are more um, um, uh, uh, cognizant of the fact that if we need to deploy these models in real world settings, because what we have been currently working is with our own setting and uh, 200 of the ICUs whose data are publicly available. But now, if these have to be deployed um, in 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 live settings across different ICUs, we have to make them privacy enhancing so that none of these data um, um, are compromised at any point of time from these new sites. Mm-hmm. So that's what we are currently working uh, towards. And as I said, these are pretty early days for for this kind of um, uh, work. Uh, yeah, that's what excited about going. Forward.
1: So, so how would that look like? So information about. You know, lab tests, lab results, temperature profiles, oxygen levels, heart rate, respiratory might be available for doctors to look at from every patient, but just not the information about who they are. Is that kind of the separation you're you're thinking about?
2: At a very crude level, yes. So I think again that um, that boils down to governance um, and the role-based access. So within us, so if we talk about an institution, Within the institution, also, there are these departmental access uh, and and uh, roles that uh, within department that every doctor can play. So what we are saying is that for my ICU or for the ICU that I'm in charge or for my residents, they should have access to all of this data. But if I need to exchange this data with any other hospital, there has to be a a two-level authentication. Number one, the patient has to give the consent. Uh, for for, and that again depends upon the purpose for which this data gets exchanged. And that's something that we have been exploring um, in the Indian settings and uh, using the National Digital Health Mission or the NDHM frameworks, which allows this consent management framework to be built in. That's a recent uh, national mission uh, launched by India. So we say that the patient has to give consent and then of course the hospitals uh, agree to exchange data for that level of granularity and purpose that that they need. And that's when a doctor from another hospital may be able to see the data for a patient uh, uh, from another hospital, his vitals, parameters, and so on, um, um, and and, and then uh, take decisions or or build models. So this collaboration can be enhanced through these um, uh, frameworks, which, uh, for example, the NDHM framework and the blockchain. So that's how we we see that it, it it's going to look like going forward.
1: Yeah. So how do you pr- apply that decentralized concept that blockchain provides in that that framework? How do you see that that lo- lo- going you know into application? And have you done any you know demonstrations on that or or prototypes?
2: So we have a uh, we have we have been working on the project which is supported by the principal scientific advisor. Uh, to the prime minister's office and that project was on how do we create a federated health platform for for data exchange for covid because that was an emergency so while doing that yes we have created a, a platform and uh, demo applications um, um, within that which demonstrate the use of the national digital health mission artifacts which make use of this ndhm sandbox uh, where a lot of these frameworks kick in consent manager frameworks for data exchange for patient um, and also the uh, frameworks for uh, reports, diagnostic reports, laboratory investigations, prescriptions, and all of these. So far, the NDHM sandbox, um, basically, I think going forward, it will be incorporating the blockchain aspects as well. Uh, But we are very much plugged into this uh, national uh, digital health framework for, for enabling a lot of this. And within that uh, demo uh, platform, we also have showcased some of the applications that can be built using artificial intelligence. One of these was how do we combine different data sources and merge different data sources together um, uh, to build uh, predictions um, at different levels of resolution? So, one of these was prediction of strain based, variance based uh, information and what variants are coming up, how can we anticipate the rise? Uh, How can we anticipate the surges uh, in COVID cases, especially now, for example, given the Omicron uh, variant and earlier the Delta variant. So the genomic data sets are extremely sensitive. These are uh, genome sequences are, they have a lot of information about people. Um, I mean, uh, currently what is happening is countries around the world, governments around the world, have come together and created this consortium and they have been supporting the uh, initiatives such as the GSAID, which hosts these uh, uh, um, anonymized, pseudonymized uh, genome sequence information about uh, people. But going forward, um, if we want to actually tie these genome sequence information to the clinical information together, we need such kind of privacy preserving technology. So so that's what basically we we have been working towards. So our platform includes AI based solutions for surge prediction using genome sequencing data sets, which are extremely sensitive. And that's where I think uh, going forward, um, uh, the future will will look at these technologies more and more uh, and and triangulate uh, insights, but not triangulate data sets. I think that's what we are moving towards.
1: Mm Yeah, so that's kind of a stream prediction, I think, is what you were calling that earlier. Uh, yeah. So it's you- called this.
2: Yeah, it's we call it the strain flow model. It uses um natural language processing. The key idea being um the sequence of a virus can be read like a book. Uh, just as we have we we know that now models can can learn from textual data. And and within viral sequences, these words or codons. Um, uh, they 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 have some patterns and co-occurrence uh, to form sentences. So, um, in other words, to form proteins and how the mutations have happened in 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 the COVID nineteen spike region genome uh, can actually be understood in a completely uh, de novo fashion by applying these uh, sequence level natural language processing models. That's what we did, and essentially, then we looked at. Um, the underlying patterns within these sequences, which can be predictive of next two months of case loads in eighteen different countries. So, our strain flow models essentially look at these patterns and then uh, predict how may the uh, case surges evolve in in the in, in the coming uh, months for for a given country, given the genomic sequence information available from these countries. Mm-hmm. So, do you
1: do you think, like in the United States, we have HIPAA? Uh, I imagine there's a com- some kind of a compliance you have to follow uh, in India, at least. Uh, is that do you see that moving towards with the, the the these technologies towards a a level where there's more control over the individual for their record, or it's more widespread and, and more governments controlled for the information of many people? Where are the okay. heading in direction?
2: Yeah, a very important question. So, I think the the national digital health missions frameworks at the heart of it is the consent manager framework. So, so the art, within those artifacts, it, it the patient is the is the controller of their data. So, uh, so with, I mean, in the Indian settings, it is moving more and more towards uh, the patient being or the person or the individual being the controller of their data. So, of the health data. So. Um, so I certainly see that as moving more towards giving more um, rights and control to the individual for sharing the data. But the challenge there is that is everybody aware of um, of what can happen with the data. I mean, so um, many times we click uh, on, on on many terms and conditions, and we just say I agree. And especially uh, the ways in which healthcare data sets can be used by various agencies. So, so I think. A parallel effort um, probably will need to start where education of of people around what that means uh, Mm -hmm. or for their own healthcare data exchange. And and it'll it'll bring in a lot of uh, services to be enabled. For example, India is a country where there is a strong primary healthcare system uh, that needs to be strengthened going forward more and more. So uh, how do we bring in the closing of the loop from primary to secondary to tertiary level of access. Think about vaccination. India has a very strong vaccination history and and programs in place. But now, uh, how do we tie it up at various different levels of uh, uh, services? So it brings in a lot of services and um, um, opportunities to strengthen the system. But at the same time, um, our people may not be at the same level of understanding about what can happen with data. And that is where I see that governments, for example, will need to play a bigger role in in uh, um, in raising awareness and agencies that can play a bigger role in raising awareness so that it just is not a consent that I click on, but also be aware of what I'm consenting to.
1: Yeah. All right, so kind of in in closing here, uh, is there anything that uh, you need support with or would like to get out to our listener base that uh, they can circle back around to things you're involved with or efforts that you need support on?
2: Absolutely. no. Please feel free to connect with me offline if you want to go into more details of some of our work that we have been doing, uh, especially in the AI for public health and, and ICU. That's, that's the most exciting part of it. I would also love... Um, Uh, to connect with some of our listeners and and see what their challenges that they are uh, facing. And and if I can help um, um, address or help um, um, understand uh, some of those uh, challenges and and provide more insights from what we have been uh, doing in our work. I'm sure this was a very compressed uh, interaction. So lots of uh, uh, insights that we can share and discuss about and help your work going forward.
1: All right. Well, thank you very much uh, for, for joining today. And we uh, we definitely had a, a great show. And uh, I, and, well, kind of in, in closing here, just uh, want to let you know that we'll put links to uh, Trev Pratesh on the uh, write-up for the show uh, and uh, definitely reach out to him and uh, also New Cyber Frontier if you need any connections there. Thanks again. You heard it here on New Cyber
0: Frontier. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of New Cyber Frontier. Remember to get involved. Often we think that someone else will handle privacy and security in the virtual world, but you are the only one truly in command of your virtual fate. Join our mailing list so we can keep you informed of breaking news and new releases. If you have an idea, if you have a question that you would like to hear answered, or if you want to get involved with our efforts, reach out to us at newcyberfrontier.com. We also encourage you to visit our sponsors' links as they are the ones that really make this show possible. I want to thank each of you for supporting the show, and we look forward to seeing you back for the next episode of New Cyber Frontier.